Father, as we come today to this text and uh, we look at uh, just the glorious future that you have for all of us in eternity, Lord, we just want to take inventory where we're at and make sure, Lord, that, that we're in that number, that uh, when that roll is called up yonder, Lord, that we'll be there. Because there's a list of people here, Lord, or types of people that, that won't be there. And, Lord, uh, uh, it kind of defines some of us. And so uh, I just ask us to look at this, take this very seriously, Lord. And if, and if uh, we're not right with you, help us to get right with you. And, Lord, also, if we're not living the way we should live, Lord, if we're not, if we're not the kind of witness that we should be, uh, take this message today and just, just show us the, the importance of, of uh, Lord, living righteously in this world uh, by the power of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's just a great lesson here, and I ask that you teach it today uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, if you looked at your bulletin today, you probably noticed that, uh, that if you looked at the cover that skunks have got something to do with this message. And I was going to try to... Uh, do a joke about skunks, but all the jokes I found stink. <laughs> so I didn't do any skunk jokes. Uh, there was one riddle I saw, if you want to hear that. Uh, why did the skunk sprayer quit working? Because it was out of odor. That's why they did, I told you they stunk. <laughs> all right. Uh, so instead of telling skunk jokes, I do want to talk about skunks today, the spiritual skunks, uh, but before we do that, I want to go back to where we were last week. If you remember, we were taken to the future, and we saw this whole new heaven and this whole new earth uh, where God himself tabernacles with mankind, and uh, you guys got to ask the question like David asked. I mean, what are we that God is mindful of us? I mean, what is earth that God is going to tabernacle forever on this planet. I mean, uh, let me tell you what it is. It's the place where the crown jewel of his creation lives, uh, the greatest part of his creation, and that is the human race. And uh, because we were created in the very image of God, and when God comes back to this earth, we're going to be living in that perfect image, and he's going to want to live with us, and we're going to live, want to live with him. Uh, in the last part of this chapter, we're given just a beautiful picture of what it's going to be like in eternity when the new Jerusalem comes down to earth and we have heaven on earth. And uh, we're going to study that in detail next week, but I just want to read some of it uh, so you, I can sort of whet your appetite for what awaits us in glory before we get to this real serious passage uh, that kind of precedes this. But, but let's read a few verses here, uh, beginning in verse number 9. It says, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. Now that's the mountain of God. And he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem. Now I believe that the new Jerusalem is already there. Now there might be... God might be doing some changes to it. I don't know, but it's already there. It's the eternal city of God. It's perfect. I don't know that he can make any changes to it because everything God does is perfect, and there's no sin there to mar the new Jerusalem. And so I believe 
that, that it's just the way it's going to be when it comes down to earth. But anyway, he showed him the great city, the holy Jerusalem, and at this point it's descending out of heaven from, from God. It's, we're going into eternity. Having the glory of God, uh, her light was like the most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Now you can just imagine the beauty just from that description. Then come, here's the part I want you to see. Come down to verse number 22. And it says, but I saw no longer, but I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city, watch this, the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it for the glory of the Lord illuminated it. And the Lamb is his light. Now that tells me that the Lamb is the same as God. Because there's not two lights, there is one light. It's the light of God that lights up the entire universe at this point. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. There won't be any skunks in heaven, just those who are saved. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, and there shall be no night. Now, who are the kings of the earth at that point? That's you and me. And we're going to be glorified, and so we're going to bring our glory to our light. We're going to be shining too, and we're going to bring our glory into the city. And the gate shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no more night there, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't wait for the new Jerusalem to come down to this earth. I can't wait for the Lord to come for his church. I can't wait for that trumpet to blow, and I, I believe it could blow at any time. I think it'll be uh, in the fall when it blows. That's my personal opinion, but at the Feast of Trumpets at Rosh Hashanah, and maybe it might be this year, but I, I can hardly wait for, for eternity to come. And then when that trumpet blows, what's going to happen? We're going to go to the wedding supper of the Lamb for seven years, and at the end of those seven years, we're going to come back to uh, this earth with Jesus Christ at the battle of Armageddon. He's going to defeat all the armies of the world and we're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years on this earth. And then there's going to be this one last rebellion that God's going to put down in an instant at the end of the thousand years. All the skunks will be gone and we will go into eternity uh, where the glory of the Lord lights up the entire universe. I want you to think about that a minute. Everywhere you go, you see the glory of the Lord. And it's not just the physical sight that you see. The, it's, the, it is, it's a physical feeling, too. It's a feeling of righteousness. It's a feeling of truth. It's a feeling of peace. It's a feeling of joy. I don't know if you've ever had an experience. If you haven't, ask God for it. But where you felt God's physical presence where you've been in his physical presence. You might not have seen his physical light, but you've been in his physical presence. If you've been in his physical presence, you know what I'm talking about. It only lasts a few moments if God gives you that taste of his glory. But when you feel that, you feel his joy and you feel his peace and, and, and you feel fulfillment. You don't thirst or hunger for anything. You're totally satisfied. Now, you, can you imagine living eternity like that? I mean, if it's just for a moment, it's that great. Imagine his glory filling the whole earth for all of eternity. I mean, a thousand years from now, you will still feel like that. 
10,000 years from now, you was, or from, that, from, when, from the point eternity begins, 10,000 years after that, you will still feel that good. A million years after that, you will still feel that good, and you will bask in the glory of God forever and ever. So I don't know about you, but I want to be there when that roll is called up yonder. But there's a problem. Here's the problem. Heaven is no place for skunks. Look at verse number 27, and let me show you what I'm talking about here. He says, but there, verse 27 of chapter 21, but there shall by no means enter it anything, anything, anyone that defiles or causes an abomination. Now that word abomination in the, if you, the root of that word in the Greek means to stink. In other words, there's not going to be anything that comes into heaven that causes it to stink or alive, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, what's the thing that would cause heaven to stink? It's the same thing that causes earth to stink, and that is sin. And so God is not going to allow any anyone or anything affected by sin to come into his new heaven or his new earth. And I got to tell you, I don't believe most of us have any idea of just how bad we stink. We stink. Something's got to be done because we all stink. I remember years ago, and I think I shared with you, with you this story way back then, but, uh, Back when we had our two dogs, Jack and Jill, two, our two white, big white labs, uh, we actually put Jack down Thursday, so Jill died about six years ago, so we'll, I'll tell this story in honor of Jack. But, but uh, uh, one night, I came home from Wednesday night from, from teaching, and I let the two labs out to do their business out in the backyard, and as soon as I deal, did, Jill went running out barking as loud as she could, and Jack followed her. And so they were chasing, I knew they were chasing some kind of wild animal that was in the backyard. Well, it turned out that wild animal was a skunk. And that skunk sprayed both the dogs. And she sprayed Jill right between the eyes. And so I made the mistake of going and getting them and bringing them back into the house to clean them up. And I got some wet towels, and I began to clean them, and it only made it worse. And then they began to rub. We have had, at that time, we had fabric furniture, and they began to rub themselves all over that fabric furniture trying to get themselves clean. While I was cleaning one of them, the other one was rubbing. And, and the, the more I worked at it, the more it stunk. The whole house stunk. So I got online, and I said, what do you do about, you know, when your dog gets sprayed by a stunk? And they said, bathe, you know, wash your dog in tomato juice. So I went and got some tomato juice. I tied them up outside, came back, got some tomato juice, and I washed them up really good. I mean, you should have seen them. They were all red. I poured tomato juice all over them. And then I washed them up, brought them back in the house, and I got some, uh, I got some uh, carpet cleaner, and I began to clean the fabric on the, on the sofa and on the love seat. And, and I, I, you know, I had it where I could go to bed without smelling the odor too bad with my door shut. Next day, I got up and cleaned the dogs again, and I cleaned the furniture again. And I knew I had gotten rid of the stink. I mean, I felt fine about it at that point. Well, Brenda had been out of town. She came home Friday. She walked in the door, and she said, this house smells like a skunk. 
So she cleaned the dogs up, and she went and cleaned the furniture again, and then she got satisfied that it was okay. And then a couple of weeks later, we had some friends over, and they were kind of like, what's that smell? And I said, does our house still smell like a skunk? And they said, yeah, it sort of does. What was our problem? We had gotten used to the smell. There's a real danger spiritually that we get used to the smell of the skunk, to the smell of the stink of sin. Uh, and uh, I think a lot of times we don't realize just how bad we do stink. Well, let me tell you what. God has never gotten used to the smell of sin. It stinks in his nostrils, and it will always stink in his nostrils. Any kind of sin, any kind of sin. He hates sin, and, and heaven is no place for skunks, and so there will be no uh, uh, skunks in heaven. Now, I want you to look at verse number 8. We're going to jump down to verse number 8. We're only covering a couple of verses today. But I want you to look at the types of people here that stink in the nostrils of God. Look, look, at, these, look at this list right here, in, beginning in verse number 8, or, or in verse number 8. Listen to what he says. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and watch this, all liars shall have their part not in the new heaven and the new earth, they shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, why do they have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone? Because they stink. They stink of sin. And you take a good look at this list, and you got to ask the question, am I on this list in any way? Because if I'm not on this list, if, if, if I'm on this list and I die in that condition, then I'm not going to go to heaven. I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to go to the lake of fire. Look at what it says in brimstone, which is the second death. So I want to look at this list real carefully and make sure I'm not on this list. Well, first of all, am I cowardly? Look at the first type of person who's not going to be in heaven on that list. The cowardly. Now, who are the cowardly? Well, you're not a coward just because you have fears. Everybody has fears. We all have fears. The cowardly are those who don't overcome their fears. They live in fear. Have you ever known people like that? They just live in fear. They're afraid of everything. I mean, they live in fear. And that shouldn't be the case for a believer because we're told in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, that perfect love, which is the love that we have in Christ, perfect love casts out fear. Now, so, cowards, cowards won't be there. Now, why do the lost fear? Why do lost people fear? Why do some believers fear? Let me tell you what. It, it brings us to the second category of people that won't be in heaven. The unbelieving. The unbelieving. You remember that generation of Israelites that crossed the Red Sea, that God had... Uh, brought all those plagues upon Egypt. He had done all of those miracles. And they crossed the Red Sea, and they were on their way to the Promised Land. And they got to Kadesh Barnea, and they sent spies into the land. 
And the spies came back and they gave them a bad report, all but two, uh, Caleb and Joshua. The rest of them gave a bad report. And, and uh, everybody was afraid. And nobody wanted to go in the promised land because they had heard about these Canaanite fortresses and these giants that were that, they, that in the sight of these giants, the Israelites were like grasshoppers. And so they refused to go in. And not only did they do that, they, you know what they told Moses? They told Moses that they wanted to go back to Egypt. Now, what were they saying to God? They were saying to God, we don't trust you. We don't trust that you can take care of these giants. We don't trust that you can take uh, care of these fortresses. We're going to get defeated if we go into that land, even though God had told them that they were going to get a great victory. They didn't believe God. And so they wanted to go back to Egypt. And they serve as a warning to all of us. In fact, we're given that warning. You don't have to turn there, but we're given that warning over in Hebrews chapter 3. And let me read it to you. It says, now, with whom was he angry for 40 years? I mean, why did they wander in the desert for 40 years is what the author of Hebrews is saying. Was it not with those who sinned? And now, how did they sin? Well, those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But those who did not obey. So see that they could, so, so we see that they could not enter because of what? Because of their unbelief. Now I've got to tell you, that happens to a lot of people who call themselves Christians. They, they uh, cross, you know, they think they've crossed the Red Sea. They think they're in the land of promise. They're heading to the land of promise. And then they see the giants. And they see these fortresses in their life that they can't knock down. And they give it up. They give it up and because, it, because they don't believe and they head back to Egypt. Really, they head back to the world. And I, don't, I believe that they've only tasted of the goodness of Christ, and, but they haven't really been saved. And so they, in essence, some people would say they lose their salvation. I don't believe they ever had it. But they turn away from Christ because they don't believe. And so... Unbelief, I'll tell you what, more than anything else, I believe is an affront to God. Because when we don't believe God, what are we saying to God? We're saying to God that you're a liar. You're calling God a liar. And not only that, unbelief is at the root of all sin. Go back all the way to the Garden of Eden, and what was Adam and Eve's problem? Really, Adam's problem, what was it? That he chose to believe Satan instead of believing God. If he believed God and everything that God had promised, then he never would have done what he did because God told him that if he ate of the fruit, what, you would surely die. Satan said, oh, you won't surely die. And so he didn't believe. He didn't believe, and so uh, we're in this mess that we're in right now. And I think sometimes as believers, we have to be careful that we don't believe. You know, my prayer always is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And that should be all of our prayers. Now, then look at the next group of people on this list. He says, those who are abominable. There's that word again, that same word we saw in verse 27, which simply means to stink. Those who stink, their lives stink. They stink in the nostrils of God. They do things that are loathsome to, a, to any righteous person. And they're certainly loathsome to the Lord. And things like on the rest of this list. Look at the rest of this list right here. They're murderers. They're sexually immoral. That means they're adulterers or they're sexual perverts or they're sodomites. 
They're engaged in, in uh, sorcery. They engage in witchcraft. And I, today it's really troubling. You see a lot of churches that are mingling the occult with uh, Bethel Church out in California. They're mingling the occult uh, with the gospel, and they're all going to end up in the pit following that kind of stuff. Uh, they're idolaters. Uh, they worship pagan gods. And that can be gods in all sorts of forms. It can be uh, some god in, embodied in some uh, grotesque statue. Uh, I tell you what, idolatry really is the love of the world. It's the love of something other than God. And so, I mean, you can love some public person to more than you love God, and that is idolatry. I listened to Chris, I don't listen to Chris Matthews, but I heard him say one time that every time he heard Obama speak, that he got chills up and down his spine because he loved Obama so much. And I'm not picking on Obama, but Chris Matthews needs to find him another God. Uh, I, I like Donald Trump to some degree. Some things I like about him, but I don't worship him by any means. I don't get chills when he speaks. I don't get, I, when I listen to this, read this word sometimes, I get chills. But I don't get uh, all sorts of tingly feelings when, when Trump speaks. So for some people, it's a sports team. I mean, I know people who, who love LSU so much, it's an idol. I mean, I, I like LSU. I like football. I like sports. But I know people, they get up in the morning talking about LSU football. They go to bed at night talking about LSU football. That's, that's not a really good God to serve, is it? So, so it, it can be anything that takes us away from the Lord is, a, is an idol. And then look at this last group of people on this list. And maybe they're the biggest stinkers of all. Look at that. He says liars. Amen. All liars. Are you, hopefully, we're not. <laughs> you're not talking about me, are you, when you said amen? <laughs> you know, if you lie to spare somebody's feelings, that makes you a liar. I mean, if you come up to me before church and you ask me how you look, even if you look really bad, I'm going to tell you you look good. That's why I don't ask anybody at the end of the service how my sermon was, because I know you're going to lie if it was bad. You're going to say it was good. You're not going to say it stunk. You're going to say it was really, it was really good. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but really, I think what he's talking about here, you know, again, I don't want to make light of any kind of lie, but what he's talking about here are people who have, are prone to lie. They have no integrity. They have no character. It doesn't even bother them that they lie. You can't trust them. You can't believe what they say is true. And, and, and they stink. I mean, a liar stinks. I mean, people that lie to you, they, it, it stinks when they lie to you. Now, glance over this list again and ask the question, do any of these descriptions fit you? Well, i got to say, some of them sure fit me. I mean, there are times when I do have fears that I don't overcome the way I should. I don't have the courage I should, knowing that the Lord is on my side and I'm more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. There's times I don't really uh, live that way. I don't act that way. I kind of cower in my fears. And the reason is that I don't believe God. So there's times I'm unbelieving. And, and I certainly, i got to tell you, I certainly struggle with putting away the idols in my life. I mean, I, I, I feel convicted all the time that I've got way too many things in my life coming between me and, me and the Lord. 
and, and, and they're idols. And, and maybe I don't bow down to statues and worship pagan gods, but I have all sorts of worldly things in my life that interfere with my relationship with God. And I've got to tell you, on occasion, I've lied. I mean, exaggeration is, lie, is lying. I mean, when you embellish a story, that's lying. If that's true, though, there won't be any preachers in heaven because every preacher I've ever known has embellished a story from time to time. So, at times, let me just sum it up. Spiritually, I stink. But don't hold your nose and, and look at me funny because you, spiritually, you stink at times too. And, but there's no place in heaven for skunks. We're not going to be there. Skunks aren't going to be there. So something has to be done for us to have a part in this new heaven and this new earth. And we've got to be changed. We've got to be changed. We've got to be changed from uh, being the skunks that we are into the kind of people that are pleasant in the nostrils of God. We've got to be changed to a point that we sin no longer. And so how do we do that? Well, let's go back to verse number 7, and we, we will, John will show us. Listen to what he says in verse number 7. He says, he who overcomes shall inherit, watch this, shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. So how do we get rid of that stink? We have to overcome. If you want to inherit, hey, look, I want to inherit all the blessings of eternity. I want to be God's son. I want to be part of the new heaven and the new earth. I don't want to be part of hell. John tells us how. We have to overcome. You've got to overcome. What do we have to overcome? That foul odor of sin. We've got to get it out of our life. Now, how do we get it out of our life? How do we do that? How do we make ourselves fit for heaven? Well, I got news for you. You can't make yourself fit for heaven. John talks about overcomers over in chapter, let me find my reference here, chapter 12. Look back to chapter 12, and he was talking about those who overcome Satan, which really means they overcome defeat, they overcome sin. And listen to what he says, chapter 12, verse number 11. And you're going to see them overcome three ways. Chapter 12, verse number 11. And they overcame by, first of all, I love this. How? By the blood of the Lamb. That's how we overcome. But also, it doesn't stop there. Now, there's a lot of people who believe in the cross and they believe in Jesus and they never get past that. And they're not truly saved. You have to apply that to your life. You have to overcome in life. So, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. Watch this, number two, and by the word of their testimony. That's the second way we overcome. The third way we overcome, they did not love their life to death. Now, I don't know if I want to be tested on that. But that's the test. Do you love your lives today? Are you willing to put, Jesus said, you've got to lose a life in order to gain life, eternal life. You've got to lose your life on this, in this world in order to gain eternal life. If you lose your life, Jesus said, you will find your life. So first of all, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That's the really good news. 
by, how do we do that? We do that by faith, and our faith is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So all we have to do, where it begins, where it begins is believing in Jesus Christ and appropriating the blood of that cross for our sins, and we are made, perf- we are made perfect forever. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might have what? The righteousness of God in him. Now, you talk about smelling good. When you've got the righteousness of God, you smell good to God. That's why when I approach God, I don't approach God in my own righteousness. I approach God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I plead the blood. I come to God and I overcome and I can stand in the presence of God because of the blood. The author of Hebrews tells us that by one offering, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that cross by his blood and broken body, we have been perfected forever. We have been made sinless forever in Jesus Christ. So positionally, all the stink is gone. When you're in the presence of God, the blood of Christ covers you and all the stink of sin is gone and you are a sweet-smelling aroma to God. I can go in there when I haven't had a bath and stink, and the blood of Christ still makes me smell good to God. Now, here's the problem. We forget sometimes who we are, and we begin to stink things up. And so we got to be reminded all the time of just who we are. We're not skunks anymore. We're not sinners saved by grace. We used to be sinners saved by grace, but now we're we're the people of God. We're the children of God. We've been given the power to live like the children of God. Listen to what Paul says. Go with me over to 1 Corinthians. Hold your place in chapter 12 because we're coming back there. But go over to 1 Corinthians. And Paul gives a similar list of stinkers over in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, just a few books back. Look at chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, and let me, let's pick up in verse number 9. He says, do you not know, I mean verse number 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? In other words, if you stink, you will have no part in heaven on earth, your part will be in the lake of fire, in the, in the lake of fire and brimstone. Do not deceive yourself. Don't fool yourself. Don't get used to the thinking you're just because you don't stink as bad as the guy next to you that you're all right. Don't fool yourself. Now, I want you to look at this list carefully. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, I mean, the list is even longer here, will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, why did Paul have to give this list here to believers? He was giving this list to believers. He said, don't you know that if you're living like this, if you're practicing this kind of sin, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Look at what he says in verse number 11. And such were some of you. 
He's got to remind them, that's not who you are anymore. That's not your identity in Christ. You've been covered by the blood of Christ. You've been made perfectly righteous. God wants you to live righteously. And friends, at some point, if you don't learn to live righteously, that you don't put away some of these things, you're not going to be in the kingdom of heaven because you haven't been changed. If you're still an adulterer, I mean, you might commit adultery as a believer, but if you're still an adulterer, if that's who you are, you're going to go to hell. If you're still a drunkard, you're going to go to hell. If you're still an extortioner, you're going to go to hell. If if you fit any of these, you're going to go to hell. If that defines who you are, that's not who you are if you've been born again. You might do that, and we've got to be reminded of that, because I'm going to tell you what, we get used to the stink. We live in a stinky world. We're stinky people. And we think that we clean up a little bit of our life that we don't stink to God. Any sin stinks to God. And you're not going to go to heaven stinking. You're either going to get cleaned up, and if you've gotten cleaned up, your life begins to change. And if your life doesn't begin to change, then you haven't been cleaned up. You see what I'm pleading with you about? I mean, if we still love idols and sports and whatever more than we love God, hey, we're not there. We might have some idols, but, but, but they're not more important to us than God. And, we, will, and we, we have this desire to put those idols away. We certainly don't want to cheat people and extort things from people. We don't want to be a fornicator. We don't want to be an adulterer. We don't want to be a homosexual. We don't, we don't want to do those things anymore if we've been born again. Homosexuals are going to be in heaven, but they're not going to be homosexuals when they get to heaven. And if they don't change from that before they get to heaven, they're never going to get to heaven. And there's this lie being told that somehow they're going to make it to heaven because God loves homosexuals. God hates homosexuality. And he will not allow homosexuals into heaven. He will not allow thieves. He will not allow covetous or drunkards or revilers or extortioners. None of them will inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you. But that's not who you are. You've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. Don't forget who you are. You're no longer a stinky sinner living for this world on the way to hell. You're the children of God on the way, living in this world on the way to heaven. That's who you are. And if that's not who you are, you're not born again. And, and, and so that means that we're going to have a witness. Because if we've truly been changed, we're going to have a witness. So go back to Revelation chapter 12. And look at this second way of overcoming. By the word of their testimony. By the word of their testimony. Look, when we understand who we are in Christ, when we live out that identity in this world by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have a testimony. And so we overcome by the word of our testimony, by the words of our witness. Now, I don't think God's so much concerned about the words we say here. He's talking about, the words he's talking about are the words that we speak by our lives, the way we live our life. People should see us as different from them. When we're in the presence of stinky sinners, they should say, man, something stinks in here and it's not them, it must be me. But if we stink right along with them, we have no witness. That's why Jesus exhorted us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He says, 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Look, that's the only witness you've got that's going to count. Now, at some point, you need to be able to give every man an answer, but you're never going to get a chance to give every man an answer. We don't get a chance to give a person an answer if they don't see that we're different somehow. They don't want what we have. If we're worse than they are, if we have no character, if we lie to them and we cheat them, and they see us drunk and they see us coveting things as much as they do, if they see us just like them, they don't care about our witness. But if we are truly born again and we've been washed in the blood, we have a testimony. We have a witness. And yes, at times we're going to stink things up as believers. But when we do, if we're walking in the light as he is in the light, John tells us in 1 John chapter 5, that, I mean, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, that the blood of Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness, and we don't stink anymore. Now, and look at the third way we overcome. Look, when we're good witnesses, and we've been washed in the blood, and we've been given the Spirit of God, then we do not love our lives unto death. We don't love our life more than we love the Lord. You've got to ask yourself that question. Have you reached that point in your life? Were you, were you willing to give your life for the Lord? And you know, that speaks to us in so many ways. Are we willing to give this up for the Lord? Are we willing to die to this sin for the Lord? And if we're not, then we really don't love the Lord. We really, aren't, we really haven't overcome. And, and we've got to question whether or not we even have the Spirit of God in us. Because we're more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. We've been given the power to overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. Whosoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. I mean, there it is right there. If you live a life that confesses Jesus Christ before men, then Jesus is going to confess you. You know, a lot of people think, well, that's, you're up against the wall and, and somebody, uh, you know, some uh, uh, persecutor is, is about to kill you and he asks you, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And you say, yes, you're willing to die uh, because uh, you're going to confess Jesus Christ before men. That's part of it. But it's more than that. Are you willing to give up some things before men and be a witness before men? Jesus says, therefore, whoever confesses me before men by his life, him or his death, him also I will confess before the Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men by the way he lives his life, I will deny him before the Father who is in heaven. In other words, you're going to be in the lake of fire. Nothing stinks more than a person who calls himself a believer who's not willing to make a single sacrifice for their faith. Nothing stinks more to me than that. And I've got to believe it stinks to God too. If you really know the Lord as your creator, as your father, and you love him, I mean, if you're saved, you love the Lord. You can't help but confess him before man. You can't help but want to live for him before men. And I tell you what, the, the persecution part, it's coming. 
It's coming. You're going to be tested. You're going to be tested at your workplace. You're going to be tested at some point. Are you willing to, to, to stand for the Lord or are you going to deny the Lord? But if we're willing to live our lives for his sake, we'll lose this life and we'll find eternal life. And if we're let it, willing to let him remove that stink from our lives. I mean, get before him and say, Lord, what in me stinks? And he'll give you a nice list. He does me all the time. He, I mean, I'm walking down the street and, or driving in traffic, and he says, that stinks. The way you act, it stinks. The way you lose your temper, that stinks. Get, get rid of that. You have the power to get rid of that. But we remove that stink from our lives. Then we can truly be overcome as witnesses of Christ. And then what a reward. What a reward awaits those who stand for Jesus Christ, who overcome. Go back and look at the last verse, Revelation, the last verse we'll look at today, Revelation chapter 21. We've already read it, but let's look at it again. He who, who overcomes, 21-7, shall, watch this, inherit all things. What's all mean in the Greek? All things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. You, you understand what he's saying? I mean, your inheritance, I believe, begins now. But i got to tell you, when we get to eternity, we're going to inherit everything. Everything that belongs to Jesus is going to belong to us. I mean, everything. You're going to have so much stuff or so many things, so many, I don't know about stuff. I don't even know if there'll be stuff there, but there'll be so many wonderful things that are yours, that are yours forever. They'll never be taken away. You're going to inherit all things. Everything you want, you'll have. And what you'll want will be what God wants for you. And one of the things that we're going to inherit, I'm going to tell you, is a glorified body. It's going to glow forever in the glory of God that can never stink. You couldn't stink it up if you wanted to because you won't want to. You'll never, it'll never stink. You know, it'd be just as, as, as impossible for you to stink as it is for a rose to stink. Have you ever smelled a stinky rose? You might not like the smell of roses, but I love the smell of roses. Roses don't know how to, how to stink at all. They don't know what it is to stink. They just smell good. And that's the way you're going to be for eternity. You're going to smell wonderful to yourself and to everyone around you and to the Lord. But here's the best part of the deal. Jesus will be our God. He will be our God. Not like some pagan God who, who turns his followers into slaves, but a God who makes us into his sons and daughters. We will be the sons and daughters of God. Just imagine. Just imagine the privileges. I mean, imagine the benefits. Imagine the opportunities. Imagine the security. Imagine the satisfaction. Imagine the fulfillment. Imagine the great joy of being a child of God forever and ever and ever. Hey, do you want all of that? Then you have to get rid of that stink. 
You have to overcome. You've got to overcome. If you're not overcoming, you're not going to be there. We've got to overcome. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the great hope we have. Father, help us to be the overcomers you want us to be. All, every, I want to see every single person here in glory when I get there, Lord. I want to get there myself. And I know I can only do it by your blood, but Lord, by your blood we're, we're made new. We're made new creatures who have power to overcome and become the witnesses you want us to be, to even die for you if that's necessary, to die to the sins in our life, to die to the stink in our lives, Lord, to, to become like you. Because, Lord, when we see you, we'll be just like you. Father, we just praise you and thank you for the power we have in Jesus Christ to be overcomers. Help us to learn that lesson, Lord, and make sure we're there. Because you're not going to allow any skunks in heaven. We don't want to be a skunk, Lord. We want to be your child, your son or your daughter. Lord, And you, we want you to be our God forever and ever and ever. We want to practice that now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we'll stand and we'll close in the song.